All right, hey, hey, Tom, welcome to the Cryptocosm. How's it going over there? Great, Marcus, thank you for having me on. I'm here in Denver with the KitCaster team. I'm in our own podcast studio right now. That's why I got some nice uh, gold streams behind me. We always like to take our calls in this studio, so happy to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I was about to, I was about to say, I wasn't sure whether you're in a restaurant or, you know, but I, it, it looks pretty sweet. I love it. Yeah, we have our, uh, we take our podcasts here and uh, we got some microphones and stuff, but we just got to make sure that we got the right vibe for any recordings that our team goes on. So, yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. But anyways, I wanted to actually uh, talk about a lot of things. Uh, the reason I, I connected with you was uh, I know you're in Denver, but I also kind of found out there's a lot of interesting stuff is happening. I, I don't get to hear much about what's happening in Denver other than Shapeshift. I know they're kind of like the, the I, I, I guess, one of the big boys or the... Uh, in the blockchain crypto space, but I actually, but before we get talk about Denver and blockchain, I would love to learn a little bit about you, how you got into crypto and blockchain, so to speak. So take it away. Sure. I started off just trading cryptocurrency, day trading, buying some Bitcoin here and there back in 2016, 2017, before Bitcoin was even around. Uh, maybe like $800, $900 was when I first got into it. So that's, I wish I still had all the Bitcoin I had back then, but I don't. <laughs> that would have been nice. But uh, yeah, I started off just doing some uh, day trades and things like that. And then um, a business partner of mine, Parker and I, we um, started coming up with some ideas that we thought might be good. Um, one, to increase adoption of the space, and two, to just provide a great service to people as a whole. So um, that's when I started in with my first um, blockchain startup, which was called Fraps Advertising. Um, that project is one that we've kind of moved aside right now to focus on a bigger project that we're working on called Secure Digital Asset Group, which is a cold wallet provider um, and storage solution, custody solution for cryptocurrency investors. Um, it's a solution that is um, white labelable, commissionable, and you know distributable through the traditional broker dealer networks. Um, so oh. it allows people to offer cryptocurrency to their clients in a cold wallet solution that um, is safe and secure and easy for people to use. So that's what I'm working on right now. It's it's more of a fiat gateway type service rather than a cryptocurrency exchange. If you are familiar with the difference. Okay. Um, meaning our platform only offers um, fiat to crypto trading pairs. Um, we don't do any crypto to crypto trading. For example, gotcha. no, no Bitcoin to F trading, just simply Bitcoin to US dollar or Euro, whatever you need to use or Ethereum to US dollar Euro those types of things. So we're more of a gateway from people to get from fiat into crypto than for gotcha. people to join and trade crypto on, if that makes sense for you. Okay. But do you also have like off-ramp uh, functionality? Like if someone wants to dollarize their, their profits, I guess, so to speak, like. For, yeah, absolutely. You can, you can sell from crypto back to fiat. Um, 
if you think about a Coinbase type platform, which I don't know what is available over there in Dubai, but in the US, Coinbase um, has just you know straight USD into crypto functionality. You can't actually trade crypto to crypto on Coinbase, but they do have the Coinbase Pro platform where you can trade crypto to crypto and do a lot more trading pairs. Um, yeah. We just, we try to make our system so simple and easy um, to the point where we don't want to confuse people with all of those types of trading pairs. So we simply just go from US dollar or other fiat currencies into crypto and back. And that's what we're doing right now. Okay. 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 That's pretty cool. Okay. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, oh, here we, we, we do have uh, here in Dubai, I guess in the Middle East, I mean, we do have access to Coinbase. Uh, but, uh, as far as off ramping, uh, like from uh, crypto to, uh, say US dollar or any other major currencies, I, I don't, I don't know if that's available yet, but, uh, Binance is pretty strong over here. They have a big presence and, uh, but we do have some local ones coming up too. So, uh, but it, it, I guess in the Middle East, you're going to see a, a, a lot of companies from the States and also overseas. They all are coming to Dubai and, uh, cause it's kind of like a gateway to Europe as well as Africa too. So there's a lot of, uh, I guess a lot of economic opportunities. Uh, but uh, could, could you also share your relationship with, uh, Kitcaster? Sure. Definitely. Kitcaster is a company that I'm working for right now as a director of product. Um, I come up with new ideas for them, test them, um, build them out, and basically just create products all around the podcasting space. So actually the PGL platform that you use to send yeah. invites to me and a couple of other guests for your show is um, a product that you know I manage on behalf of Kitcaster. And... Um, yeah, it's it's like my full time job right now. Obviously, I have my own startup companies as well on top of that. But right. um, Kickcaster has been great, and it's been huge for the world of podcasting and making great guest connections. So, yeah, I all wrapped up. I develop products for Kickcaster and test them out and come up with new ideas. So, I'm working on a couple different things, including that podcast guest list that you already utilized. Yeah, yeah, no, it's pretty, no, it's pretty cool. I uh, uh, did definitely did get to meet some uh, some interest. I got some interesting guests. Uh, uh, John Vingate. I mean, he's well, I mean, his bank social yeah. is a, a, a pretty pretty interesting as well. So and sure, uh, and and it's growing too. So they're, they're making some big change. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, big improvements, big changes. So uh, because uh, I actually wanted to ask you about you know you know podcasting is such a great way to you know like educate people. You know, also share your passions and stuff, but uh, but I'm just kind of curious to know about what's your future point of view, like uh, podcasting for the crypto and the blockchain space. Uh, do you see uh, is there a big gap, or is there a lot of opportunities in educating people using podcasting? Um, yeah, you just hit the nail on the head right there. I think that the most important aspect of podcasting in the crypto and blockchain space is going to be that essential education that people need. You know, there's going to be such a big um, shift from, you know, the world of fiat and traditional currencies into a more digitally, um, you know, a more, more digitally powered system. And um, I think podcasting, just the, 
the way that information is shared and the way that you can hear directly from, you know, thought leaders in a specific space is going to be, you know, huge in facilitating that shift. Um, people need to know what they're doing before they are going to be go, go ahead and be comfortable enough to do it. And I think podcasting is going to be a place where a lot of that education is made. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I was also want to ask you about like uh, other than you know like educating the Joes and Janes all around the world, but also yeah, I uh, I mean, uh, but I also do see. I don't know if you agree with me. Like I also see in uh, podcasting kind of like uh, changes the way investors, whether institutional, you know, instead of you know going through a bunch of notes or you know these four hundred pages of uh, company formation documents or white papers. Uh, yeah. Do, do, do you think podcasting can kind of change the way investors uh, look into companies or uh, like learn about SE, uh, sorry, no, learn about CEOs? Oh, absolutely. And we've already seen it happen. So Kickcaster, um, the core, the core offering here at Kickcaster is a podcasting campaign. So we take entrepreneurs, business owners, um, funded founders, and we place them on shows that align with the industries that they're looking to target. And um, some of our, we have people in blockchain, we have people in AI, other tech fields. We've actually heard of our clients um, directly receiving funding or really big number deals purely based off of a podcast that they've been placed on. So it it's absolutely possible and it's actually already happening without a doubt. Wow. Is it possible to give maybe like say one or maybe two examples? I mean, if it's on public record, I guess. Uh, um, yeah, I won't speak on any sort of um, funding or any like funding rounds or any sort of uh, specifics, but I can tell you um, a specific client of ours um, was working on an AI chatbot system and um, right. they were able to secure a you know multi-million dollar deal strictly based off of a podcast um that we had placed them on and um they were a client of ours who was already finished with their campaign and they had stopped and they weren't really recording any episodes anymore and then they came back to us you know months later and they said hey we got to get going again right away because we just signed the biggest deal of our year based off of a show you guys placed us on like four months ago you know so they wow, signed okay. a deal. Um, they signed a deal with a really like gigantic video game company who was looking to get an AI chatbot for their system. And the CEO wow. or whoever it was over at that company heard our client on a podcast and said, "Hey, this is exactly what we need. Um, we got to get in touch with these guys." So they got in touch and signed a multi-million dollar deal, just strictly based off of a podcast. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, the reason I, I, I bring that up is I, I don't think a lot of people do realize how powerful or how innovative podcasting can be. You know, like they think of Joe Rogan and all. You know, th those big you know shows and stuff. But uh, in terms of you know, I guess from an entrepreneurial level, it, like it, it is possible. So. Uh, I guess if you have the right, I, I, I'm, saying, uh, I'm sure there's some strategies involved, but through podcasting, you can uh, uh, really, I guess, hit some big numbers and big deals. Yeah, definitely. 
just the sheer amount of exposure and branding that you get based off of podcast interviews um, is really important, especially for your newer, younger startup companies. Like, we would encourage any startups who, you know, have maybe somewhat of a budget and can afford something like this. We would never encourage somebody to use their entire budget on a podcasting campaign. But um, some a company that could afford to do it, maybe, um, we think it's a great way to get exposure and to raise funds because there's even shows out there. Um, you know, we have a whole collection of shows that are focused strictly on, you know, pitching, entrepreneurship, and fundraising to the point where, you know, actual real venture capitalists and angel investors listen to these shows just looking for new companies to invest in. So if if you're looking to raise a round or do something, you know, podcasting is a great way to, one, get some practice on your pitch. You have a conversation with a great host who's educated on on the space that you're looking to talk about, you know, because we obviously if we have a crypto or blockchain guest, we're going to place them on crypto blockchain shows. And there's right. hosts like you who who knows what they're talking about, right? Like sometimes you have entrepreneurs and same thing has happened to me where I'm trying to raise money for a blockchain company and I walk into a into investors office in New York City and give them a great elaborate pitch on our blockchain project. And they're like, yeah. well, we don't really know what blockchain is. And it's like, why, <laughs> why are you trying to invest in it then? You know, we, it's happened to me. It's happened multiple times. Wow. And uh, we think that, you know, getting exposure and just the straight up practice talking to somebody who knows what they're talking about um, is really great for these, you know, startups and entrepreneurs who are looking to raise rounds. Okay, no, I like that. No, because uh, I think I, I was about to, I was about to ask you like kind of like a scenario, like say for example, uh, a crypto startup here in Dubai. You know, they're trying to like they come to Dubai to attract investors and also you pretty much kind of <laughs> answer yeah. those questions quite a bit. But I, I yeah, uh, but I like sure. the last part of what you just said about you know you know you, you came up with your own pitch deck. You you know like presented to some investors, but I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess maybe a couple of years ago, you know, if you try to present cryptocurrencies or the blockchain to some investors, I, I heard stories that people were laughed at by the by those investors from Silicon okay. Valley. For sure. Uh, so okay, I guess is that true? It's it's not like a myth or anything like that. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you a real story about a a, um, a pitch that me and my company were in. I think it must have been at this point maybe about two somewhere around two to three years ago, um, we were pitching the our cold wallet solution with Secure Digital Asset Group, our BitBond solution, um, which I could tell you more about later if you'd like, but we're pitching, oh, yeah. it, to, we're pitching it to a hedge fund manager who um, had just successfully raised $50 million to invest into blockchain and cryptocurrency. So this is a hedge fund manager. He's managing other people's money to invest in this space. And um, wow. we go, we nail our pitch. We think, you know, we did a great job. And at the end of the meeting, this hedge fund manager says to us, he says, hey, you know, this all sounds really great, but I really don't know too much about cryptocurrency and blockchain. So if you go and get some money from the West Coast and Silicon Valley, I'll match it or I'll invest in you. It's like, I won't invest in you until somebody else does because he didn't know anything about cryptocurrency and blockchain, okay. although he just raised 
a $50 million fund to invest in cryptocurrency and blockchain. So it's, it's very real, you know? Um, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah I swear. Uh, it, it really did. Thank happen. you for sharing that. No, thank you for sharing that because, uh, uh because I, I have all those stories, but, uh, it kind of blew my mind, but, but I'm saying, but okay. So that's the past, but let's talk about the now, uh, what is sure. the investor, the hedge fund sentiment right now? Like, are they crazy about cryptocurrencies or are they still kind of apprehensive or, you know, people are really excited and, you know, we're, we pitch on a weekly basis. We're talking to new people, um, because it's a constant struggle to try to get your project funded until it does get funded and then you do what you have to do. So, um, we're, we're still fundraising and, um, a lot of people are a lot more excited now about crypto and blockchain, Bitcoin and all that, because they've been hearing about it for five to 10 years now. And they're starting to actually realize, okay, this isn't going away. This isn't a joke. Um, and a lot of them are really interested in trying to find a good product to invest in. Um, but I still think there's a big lapse in education for a lot of those investors, big hedge fund managers, institutional money who aren't educated enough to make the decisions on their own. So you'll typically see um, them having younger or more tech savvy, more educated advisors on their teams who are trying to help them. But it's still kind of hard to explain, you know, a complex like blockchain system to somebody who's not very um, tech savvy, if that makes sense. Right. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, it's still it's still an issue, and of course there are those funds out there and those extremely knowledgeable investors who know exactly what you're talking about. Who you'll, I've had discussions with investors who are smarter than me and my team. <laughs> like they know more <laughs> yeah. about they know more about the type of blockchain system that we're trying to build than we do, and we're just like, oh my god, this is <laughs> you. This All is right. great, and you know those are the great connections to have. Um, because I'll, okay. just to be clear, I'm not a developer. I don't code. And my um, direct partner, Parker, in this business, we, he doesn't code either. So we have we have a CTO who's working with us. So sometimes okay. we'll, meet, we'll meet with an investor who obviously doesn't know more than our CTO about our system, but knows more than us. And we're like, oh, my God, how did you know that? You know, so yeah. there's two ends of the spectrum. You have people who really don't know anything about blockchain and then you have people who really do know a lot and you know they're doing the right things yeah uh, that's no, that's interesting I, I, i'm because sh- uh, i'm sure like uh yeah i've been to you know a couple of conferences I, i've been to some uh, quite uh, quite a lot here in dubai you know a lot of people coming in but one thing i noticed like in the crowd i'm sure you know your people also have seen it too like i've seen like you know Young guys like ourselves, they come in hoodies and they look like hipsters and all. But then you got guys yeah. from HSBC and you know American Express and you know all suits and stuff. You know, to me it's like the it's like the craziest kind of uh, situation. But I love it. You know, uh, it's yeah, not so, sure. uh, I guess, traditional or you know, kind of like, um. Uh, like you know, very formal. But it, uh, I, to me, I see so much of vibrance, so much of uh, energy and excitement, and it's kind of it's also kind of uh, interesting to see the top executives. You know, they, they make big bucks, but they're kind of humbled. You know, seeing these young sure. these young bucks. You know, like 
you know, just okay. They they may have like two hundred dollars in their bank account, but you know, they got like two hundred two hundred twenty five hundred eats, you know, in their wallet. So yeah, it's a whole other level. So uh, maybe uh, I'm sure. Have you seen that before or? Oh, without a doubt. And the thing is, too, like those guys who are wearing hoodies in the back of the conference room, those are the guys that those big executives are paying six figures to debug their systems and to build their next big thing. Like those are those are your unicorns. Like if you've seen the show Silicon Valley, like those are the types of people who are building these things. And um, Mm -hmm. although they might not get the same amount of exposure as like the big executive or the visionary, um, they're essential. And uh, that's the person who's going to go and uh, just code up the next big platform on the, as a side project and make hundreds of millions of dollars, you know. Um, but we, we see it all the time. Half of the clients that we have here who are funded, successful founders started off as like a ground level, level coder at Google or Facebook, something like that. And then they gotcha. just figure out they in that position they find a need they find a, a product a new way that something should be done and then they go off they break off and build it themselves because they have so much knowledge and experience and then they get funded and they make a ton of money <laughs> so so yeah, yeah, yeah. You should never look never overlook those types of people without a doubt yeah i'm not glad you said that yeah and i, I yeah. think uh even some of the younger guys who I know, like, I mean, they're not coders and like that, but they are inspired, you know, just seeing like the the level of success and, but also the new opportunities too. So uh, I like to bring up the point where you talked about, you know, you're not a coder and stuff, but, you know, uh, you have other skill sets and you are in the crypto yeah. blockchain space. So some of the questions, like some of my people here in Dubai and India, you know, they ask like, you know, hey, uh, I, I like what's happening in the crypto blockchain space, but look, I have no idea about coding and stuff or software. But yeah. is there opportunity in terms of career or uh, or maybe entrepreneurship too? But I guess more, mostly in the career setting, where the, uh, what advice would you give to someone who's trying to get into that space? You know, um, for someone who's not like a coder or a developer. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, Without a doubt, there's such a huge need for other skill sets, right? Because you can't just have somebody who's coding something and doesn't know how to market it or get it out in front of people or doesn't know how to pitch it in a meeting. Because a lot of times you find a, you know, a rock star developer who can make something work. They can do whatever you want them to do, but they're not, maybe sometimes they might not be the person who can go up in front of an investor and um, explain it, pitch it, make it look good and get that money that you need, or they might not be the same person who's going to go and make a sale to a big company for your service, you know? So there's, there's so much need for all different types of um, career personalities, different types of people coming into blockchain that, um, you know, if you think that only coders can get into it, you know, it's just, it's just not true. Like I, I've developed, you know, I've worked on three to four blockchain startup companies myself from like the ground up and I've never coded a day in my life. So, um, I do a lot of like wireframing, web design, um, pitching, um, gathering materials for pitches, whether it's financials or, uh, 
again, like pitch decks or uh, white papers, one sheets. I do all of that type of stuff. And then I work right. very closely with the the technical people, our CTOs and our developers to get this stuff built. And, you know, we sit down with them for hours on end to figure out what we think is possible, what we can do with our platforms. And, you know, we, we take what they say, you know, with praise because they know their systems and they know how to build it. And we're always going to listen to them. So again, the, the coders are massively important. Obviously you're always going to need someone to build your system, but I think all of the other things as well are equally as important to have on a team. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Glad to hear that. Yeah. Uh, no, but, uh, no, because it, uh, I, I, I guess from these questions, uh, quite a lot actually, you know, so yeah. uh, other than, you know, or, you know, Bitcoin is hitting, you know, 50 K and I'm, I'm missing out, but in terms of the industry, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm sure you might agree it, it's getting hot right now, you know, in the sense, you yeah. know, uh, even when the market is down too, but still, you know, there's, there's a lot of interesting developments taking place. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I, I just see a lot of opportunities. Like I'm not a coding guy. I'm more like a marketing sales kind of guy. So, uh, yeah, y- you know, I, I, I can talk a lot and stuff, but you know, um, then but it's good to hear from you that, you know, you have, you already built some stuff up and, you know, you'll work with developers. So I, I think it's a matter yeah. of, having certain skill sets and collaborating with other people. I think collaboration is kind of like the buzzword when it comes to cryptos and blockchain, right? Exactly. You can have a, um, you know, a rock star coder, like I said before, who knows his system in and out, but might have a hard time explaining it to somebody who doesn't code or doesn't know tech as well. And somebody like me, I, I kind of consider myself a, like a technical translator. Like I take what the coding person is saying and I write it down or translate it for people who don't really know what they're talking about at all. And I've only mm-hmm. developed that skill just by being around developers and coders so much in my work. Like I, I started off sitting at the table or on the zoom call, you know, not knowing what they're talking about either, but after years <laughs> and years of, of hearing the same terms and trying to figure out what they're talking about. Um, you know, I've kind of developed this little skill where I can take what they say and translate it for somebody who was in the same position I was in a couple of years ago. And um, that's great to hear huge. that. It's, it's very important to have. Yeah. And, you know, companies look for people like that and big tech companies need those things. So it's never, if you're not a coder, there's still so much room for you in the crypto and blockchain space. It's huge. All right. No, I'm glad to hear that. Really glad to hear that. And uh, definitely I want this particular message, what you said right now, to be out there uh, because I, I don't want people to have this uh, this mentality of lack. You know, I want them to know, hey, there's abundance out there. There's, you know, so much of growth, so much of opportunities. And, you know, it's just, you just have to learn how to be adaptable and be open-minded, you know, and also try to get out of the, I guess what I see with some of my friends and some of the people, they're stuck in the, the traditional educational space. You know, in here, you got to like really think outside the box. And um, 
I know because I've been in the states. I also here too. So there's this. I know there's a there's a learning curve, like I think which you just uh, explained earlier. So, sure. but I think once you uh, take a little bit of time, uh, you know, man, things are possible. So uh, I mean, I already I'm trying to make some connections, trying to you know like learn from other people, and I, I'm just blown away what's happening in Dubai. Also seeing what's happening in Texas too. But, but definitely I want to talk more about Denver. But before that, I wanted to uh, talk to you about, you know, what's uh, with, you know, NFTs and also the DeFi space. So I would love love to, he- love to hear your point of view with regards to NFT and then DeFi. Sure. Um, yeah, so I actually just bought my first nfts um in the last couple of weeks actually so all right i just okay. got into it yeah i obviously have known about nfts for a while but um i never felt the need to really purchase any but um recently with the solana network if, if you're familiar with that yeah yeah solana sure, sure. um soul s-o-l um i really like you know how they're handling their nft purchases and the drops specifically so um, they'll generate like it's different for each drop, obviously, but um, a specific drop will generate a certain number of NFTs, and they have different rarities. Um, and you can you can mint one when the drop happens, and you get a completely random one. You can either get you know a normal one or a not so rare one or a super rare one. And if you get a super rare one, you know you have the potential to make a lot of money, which is True. awesome. <laughs> it's almost kind of a gamble, but. Um, yeah, a lot of times, a lot of times you see the floor price of these NFTs going up above the mint price. So even if you don't get a super rare one, you might have an opportunity to make some money still. Um, but you obviously it goes hand in hand. You could also the mint price could be higher than the floor price on the aftermarket, so you can lose money. Um, it's not a surefire way, but. Um, I, it's fun and I enjoy, you know, the novelty behind NFTs, getting a one of one piece of art that is uniquely yours and you own it. Um, I think it's great. And I think the future of NFTs really is going to go into um, more, uh, more individualistic um, digital art where somebody's making, you know, a piece that's as unique as any painting would be. Um, you know, one of one, and that's already happening as well, but um, not to mention the other aspects of an NFT, like, for example, in the music industry where an, an artist can own, you know, the the rights to their music through an NFT and sell or distribute ownership in their, um, in their property that way. Um, I think that's also going to be huge in the terms of, uh, you know, legal rights to entertainment and things like that because i think right now the music industry is kind of struggling a little bit with the terms of artists not owning their originals and things like that you just saw the whole thing with taylor swift yeah. i don't know if you're familiar with what happened there but um if any listeners want to go and look that up it was a big you know it was a big struggle for her and it was a big legal battle um that can be solved um in this way so I think there's a lot of potential for NFTs in the future and mm-hmm. digitized assets as a whole. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see where it's going to go. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I I can see a, like incredible opportunities for 
like you know for musicians or artists you know to get royalties as well like uh, yeah that uh, i think that there's a great opportunity in there now uh with regards to decentralized finance you know uh, uh because i know right now nft is like super hard it's 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 a, it's a really sexy topic in here in dubai like we have all these artists coming in so uh you know they're putting nft on you know cars as a way to increase their value that kind of deal but yeah. uh, uh but i do personally for me i do believe like uh defi uh i think in the long run is going to amplify like it's going to be really, really huge in terms of i guess financial inclusion or i, I know whatever term you can call it financial inclusion financial confidence or i like to dare to say financial ascension for people you know in, in terms of increasing yeah. their wealth and especially in this region in the middle east you know we have uh families you know who are growing their wealth and especially the term inter intergenerational family wealth uh so that's kind of uh, a big deal for like you know Indian families, uh, uh, Arabian families, and African families. So uh, I, I, I guess I'd like to hear uh, like your point of view when it comes to DeFi. I guess in the American context or in the American markets, uh, like uh, what is your take on that? Sure. I think that, um, you know, DeFi is going to be here to stay. I think a lot of governments are going to want to fight against it, but there's really nothing that they're going to be able to do because I think it is a much more well-rounded and useful financial model um, to have, you know, no centralized entity controlling the supply of money or controlling the money's price, um, the value of it. Um, I think it's it's going to be huge and it is going to provide a lot of banking and financial opportunity to those underserved markets in, you know, places in Africa, for example. There's actually a company, some friends that um, I have through my startup experience, they're working on yellow card financial over in Africa and it's, you know, they just raised their series A and they're working to provide financial inclusion for the underserved banking markets in Africa by allowing mm -hmm. them to purchase cryptocurrencies using cash and in easy ways um, at their local grocery store. So it's, and you know, while that's yellow card financial isn't necessarily like a DeFi blockchain, um, they're working with decentralized blockchains to allow these people to invest in cryptocurrencies that are decentralized. So I think, you know, it's huge. And I think they're doing such a great job. They just raised their series A and um, they're growing astronomically over there in Africa. So you should definitely check that out. I'm not sure if they're in okay. the, um, if they're in the UAE yet, but they are out there. And um, yeah, yeah, I think DeFi is here to stay. And there's really some local governments might be, or some, you know, international governments might fight against it and i think obviously yeah. we're going to see we're going to see governments come up with their own cryptocurrencies without a doubt i think that's you know there's no way that that doesn't happen but um i don't think that is ever going to allow them to get rid of the decentralized models okay so i i guess you uh like when you talk about like in you know, a government currencies like uh like you like uh like your cbdc's you know the central bank digital currencies. Yeah. Uh, yes. I think that's definitely uh, going to be 
happening soon. Um, okay. More and more, com- more and more countries are going to, you know, create their own digital currencies. I'm sure you'll see a USD coin um, that yeah. is run by the by the actual government rather than oh, the Federal Reserve, basically. By, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're going to see that. You're yeah. going to see a UAE coin, a you know, a yeah, that Italy coin, that. whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, so yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. I think you're going to see those come, and they are going to be, you know centralized models essentially if they're being run by each individual government but um like i said i don't think that those are going to take away from the the decentralized blockchains that were built kind of as the core idea of what blockchain technology should be mm-hmm. yeah, yeah no because i uh <laughs> I, I, because mostly for my incredible potential with uh DeFi. And like you know, you got like your, your Uniswap, uh, Pancake Swap, uh, yeah. Because I know like uh, I, I, I even seen like Compound, how you know how they're doing it, and other um, I guess protocols. I mean, they are starting to do well, and there's a lot of lot of people are, I guess what what's the right word like staking their cryptos, yeah. their capital. Um, sure. I know, uh, but yeah. Uh, Anyway, speak about DeFi, uh, I'd like to, you know, uh, learn more about what's happening in Denver. And, um, like, I was thinking, like, you know, one or two, like, the two companies I know is Shapeshift and Salt Lending. But uh, just did a little bit of research. I found out there's, like, way more companies in Denver. Sure. So, uh, please share to, to me and my audience about what's happening in Denver. And I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm just seeing a lot of exciting stuff. So, um, would love some info about that place. Oh, without a doubt. Um, there's a lot of tech happening out in Denver, um, whether it's blockchain or outside of blockchain. Um, I know that, yeah, Shapeshift is like one of the monsters of this area and Shapeshift has been around for so long. Um, I'm, I'm not, I, fairly certain that Tezos might be out here as well. Um, okay. I know that Zcash is in Denver. Um, yeah, if, yeah. If you've heard of Zcash. Zcash, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a ton of blockchain projects, a bunch of crypto projects, and a bunch of just, um, I've heard of different exchange projects as well, and I always see them because um, through my LinkedIn, like they reach out, and also they pop up on my feed, and I see them just because we're in the same area. So. Um, I think you're going to hear a lot coming out of Denver. One, it's a great place to um, be. It's centralized in the U.S., so that's huge for a lot of people. Um, Two, uh, if you're doing a lot of server-based things, uh, mining or just running, you know, cloud servers, farms, whatever, it's cold here most of the year, so that's good. (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I've been there. I mean, it's a beautiful place. Uh, yeah. Except the la- like, you know, November, December time. I'm like, uh, you know, I, I can't handle the snow. I- I'm a beach, <laughs> yeah, I'm a beach yeah. boy. So <laughs> definitely, yeah, it can get it can get to be a lot. But um, actually, these are things that you know those those big companies do consider because, like, you know, it it saves money if you're trying to cool a building that has a thousand computers inside of it. Um, right. It helps if it's already you know, five degrees outside, <laughs> but um, yeah, 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 I think Denver's tech scene is, you know, just starting to pop up and, um, 
you know, the Denver Tech Center is growing every single time I drive past it on the highway. It's getting bigger and bigger. And um, yeah, there's, I mean, you can just look up a list of all the newest stuff. There's even a website called Built in Colorado that shows you all the newest tech startups in Colorado. And um, I, I don't know what else to really say about it other than it's growing and it's here and it's going to keep on growing. <laughs> yeah, but I'm actually curious about uh, in terms of uh, regulations, like uh, I guess is Denver or, or the state of Colorado, are they like business friendly or uh, okay, like? Sure. I don't, so I haven't heard of any, um, at least exchanges that I've tried to use or types of um, blockchain projects that I've tried to use that are excluding Colorado. So I'm, I would be hard pressed to think that they're giving any sort of pushback to those types of companies. I think they would much rather encourage them to move here okay. um, rather than go somewhere else. I know that Wyoming is actually one of the most forward-thinking um, states in the country, and that's just the the next state over. So um, I can see – I don't see Denver being a big regulatory um, hurdle for these types of okay. companies. But um, at, at least from what I understand right now, I, I haven't heard of anything that's, like, discouraging those types of country, companies from moving here. Okay. Now, that's interesting to know because uh, uh, because the reason I – bring up the regulation side or, you know, the business stuff is because over here in, like in Dubai, um, that like the ruling family and, you know, you know, some of the ministers, they are trying to bring in companies, you know, to come to Dubai, set up their businesses over here, you know, like try to, you know, even just recently, you know, you can, it's legal to do crypto, crypto trading officially so there's no issues you know so between governments and stuff so that uh, and also they're trying to get uh what do you say hundred thousand coders to to come and stay in dubai so only like a hundred a day so they, they uh, like they, you know giving them you know like visa privileges and stuff and you know make you know in terms of you know getting human capital because one of the uh, other points i want to bring up is especially in the middle east getting talented tech people like getting talent tech oh i guess talented folks to you know bring their human capital that has been sort of a, a big challenge in the middle east also in dubai too i mean even with all the tax regulations and a lot of business opening up but the talent side is one of the challenges so uh but so that's what i was curious to know about in in denver uh uh is the talent like homegrown or is it from other states coming into Denver? Sure. Um, I think, you know, Denver does have a lot of homegrown talent from Colorado. Um, we have a lot of great schools out here, DU, CSU, Boulder, um, that are pushing out a lot of great talent. Um, but also a lot of the talent, you know, moves right over to Silicon Valley or California, you know, a lot of the biggest people as soon as they're done. But um, I would say there's Obviously, there's demand for technical talent in that way, developers, coders. But um, I think uh, I think there's plenty around in the U.S. for for jobs to get filled. But um, again, you gotcha. know, you're seeing really high salaries and pays um, because of the need for those people. Um, yeah, I haven't heard of it being like too extremely hard to find somebody to fill a role around Denver. But um, okay. It's certainly, that certainly is a thing. And also, you know, 
those other regulatory hurdles that you had mentioned before, like can actually really affect somebody's decision, a company's decision to go to a certain place. Like, for example, New York is really hard for a cryptocurrency to get up and going. I think just their yeah, bit that blows alone, my mind. I think their bit license alone is somewhere around the tune of like half a million dollars to you know, and that that could fund a whole company, but you need that just to get your licensing, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, uh, no, no uh, because see, like, uh, so someone was born and brought up in Dubai, even some of my friends too, like, you know, when we look at New York, I mean, like, to us, that's like, you know, the financial capital of the world, you know, like, they would be open to innovation or fin fintech, you know, brilliance, excellence, you know, how you, how you want to call it. But, you know, just to see the, the amount of regulations, I mean, that is kind of... Uh, like that that's kind of scary i'm just like wait what like that, that's going to drive a lot of a lot of people already people leaving new york and i mean they're coming to florida texas i mean now colorado you know so uh so i i i guess in uh, uh i i am I'm, I'm guessing like in you know, a colorado are, are they promoting a lot of the business stuff or bringing crypto talent or think so colorado is usually pretty forward thinking in those spaces um i i have not tried to open a crypto startup here in colorado um the ones that i've you know started are actually in other places around the country but um just the pure fact that i haven't actually heard of it being a big issue right now you know having lived here for so long um i don't think that they are inhibiting any of those countries new companies in any way especially ones who want to come and set up shop here okay no that's great to yeah. hear yeah no, no i'm just no i'm just excited to see you know what's happening in denver also learn about it in texas too the you know it, it's uh mm -hmm. i i still study in texas so that's why i've been there for nice. 10 years so i do have a soft spot yeah. for the lone star state uh yeah, yeah uh uh, no, but it, 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 it's it, but for me, it's just exciting to hear that, and just I'm just doing my part to, you know, spread the good news, you know, try to evangelize about cryptos and blockchain. So, and I also love connecting with you know people like you, and uh, and so excited to yeah. learn that you know you have done some stuff as well. So, um, definitely it's refreshing, and and it's kind of encouraging for me to, you know, to, to, to do this, you know. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. Love it. Found out. Yeah, it's great to talk with people, especially in such a different part of the world and, you know, mm -hmm. see that other people out there are thinking about the same things that we are. And hopefully some people will hear this and be encouraged to take the next step towards whatever they want to do. Sure, sure. Yeah. Anyways, uh, the last thing I want to ask is, yeah. uh, uh, I was just curious about some of the American crypto blockchain startups. Like, you know, I, I know they're focusing on the U.S. markets, but uh, yeah. uh, do, do they look into, like, it, like the international side, like trying to expand? Uh, sure. Any... I, think, I think any crypto or blockchain startup is looking to go international. Um, with, with my specific startups, we've considered deeply, you know, actually just starting them overseas to begin with just because of how tough the regulatory hur hurdles are here in the u.s and yeah. um just you know that group that i had spoken about before who i had worked with a couple of years ago on their project um yellow card financial I, right. that was you know their main idea they 
ultimately their main goal was to provide, you know, banking and blockchain services to those who are underserved in Africa. But I think originally they were going to start in the U.S., but then they kind of realized, well, why would we do that? It's so much easier to start up in Africa due to regulatory issues, um, funding and things like that. So they just went over there and did it. And now, you know, they've been massively successful and completed their series A. So, uh, you know, that's a dream for any entrepreneur. And wow. if the yeah. U.S. is holding you back, you know, I think I think every startup is considering going outside of the U.S. for sure. Um, it's something that you just, if you haven't looked at it or considered it, um, you know, there's maybe you need to kind of reevaluate things because sure, sure, yeah. there are, there are a lot of benefits. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there are yeah. a lot of benefits and also a lot of, you know, downfalls of doing it. But um, yeah, it's, it's really just what's best for your individual company. Mm. Yeah, true, true, agreed. Yeah. But, uh, but anyways, uh, I think uh, our time is about to end. But uh, sure. I, I want I want to uh, leave the last few minutes for you. Just talk, you know, just okay, cool. uh, how people can connect with you. And yeah. Sure. Yeah, please, please. Um, I guess I'll start off just to thank Kitcaster for making this happen with us. So if anybody's looking to get on podcasts or get guests for their podcast, you could check out Kitcaster. That's how this recording ended up happening. So yep. check us out, <laughs> kitcaster.com. You can check out the podcast guest list on the website and yeah, see that. Um, the companies that I am working with right now on blockchain technology, which I mentioned before secure digital asset group and that'll be at sdagcrypto.com um, you'll be able to find some more information there sure and yeah they can also you know if they want to email me or reach out on linkedin it's just tom donahue on linkedin i believe the url is linkedin slash the tom don i think that's the one that <laughs> they were able to get for me so Anybody can feel free to send me a message if they have any awesome, questions okay. send a connection and um, I'll be happy to give them some more information. Yeah, no, sure. No, definitely. Uh, the, definitely I'll share the links uh, uh, in the podcast as well as on the YouTube channel as well. So sure. it'll be easier to find. But yeah, but anyways, Tom, uh, first of all, thank you for connecting with me. Love it. I love the KitCaster service and what you guys are doing. And yeah. Absolutely. And also on, on top of it, uh, you know, your blockchain uh, uh, business as well. And yeah, excited. Uh, I know this is just the beginning. The best is yet to come for sure. Sure. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you for your time. And definitely, uh, uh, I'm sure, you know, definitely I'll be, you know, looking forward to seeing some uh, exciting uh, developments from your side. So, yeah. Definitely, we'll stay in touch. And thank you again, Marcus, for having me on. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we'll I'll catch you catch you all later. Y'all be good. Y'all be safe. Thank you for entering the cryptocosm. Bye for now. Yes. Cool.